Good to be with you, Bears fans. Welcome into another edition of Bears All Access as we wind up the month of May, headed towards June, July in the offing and the start of training camp. I'm Jeff Joniak along with Tom Thayer. Former Bears quarterback Jim Miller from SiriusXM NFL Radio is moving the chains as well. Thanks to our producer Jordan Treadup and all the folks here at The Score. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, a conversation with Bears fullback Kari Blassingame. Fellas, good to talk to you. I know these days are flying by, Tom, but I honestly cannot wait for the start of training camp. Yeah, but, you know, the coaches are starting to get indicators from every single position that they coach because now information is starting to be repeated. And if they get a chance to sit there and filter through information that happens a couple different times, you get an indicator of how they're taking it from the classroom to the playing field. So the compliments and the comments that you hear from the coaches, it's because there's, you know, they have enough time spent with these guys in meeting rooms and they see how it transfers to the field. Hey, Jim, they're, they're talking like things are maybe a little ahead of schedule, even offensively, and they, they have some guys from Green Bay, like the Lucas Patrick, Equiminius St. Brown, of course, Luke Getze, and the people he brought in on his staff ease that transition, then you flip it on the defensive side of the ball. You got Matt Eberflus and all those assistants coming over from the Colts. So what, what do you think about the possibility that they can really hit the ground running? Not to say that they don't have a lot to learn and a lot to grow in terms of what they have on the field, but from a coaching perspective, uh, what you envision? Yeah, I, I think it's going to take time. You know, I think it's good to have players that have been in the system before. They can really disseminate information. Say, you know, Lucas Patrick, who you mentioned, he can get the, all those offensive linemen caught up to speed. They're going to him for that information, the nuances of the offense. Luke Getze obviously spends a lot of time with Justin Fields, so he's going over the material over and over again. Same with uh, uh, St. Brown at the, at the receiver position. Then defensively, Obviously, when you've got the head coach, this is really his defensive system. And Coach Williams certainly uh, echoes everything that Coach is saying, but they can probably spend a little bit more time with those players to get them caught up to speed. And as as Tom mentioned, now it's translating to the field. You're going to start to get honest evaluations. And this is like a a horse race, right? There's going to be guys that, uh, you know, start out fast and then maybe plateau. And then there's going to be guys that start out slow and maybe finish strong. And so those evaluations are ongoing right now. The key is, from a player standpoint, be consistent about it. Keep going about your work, honing your craft, doing what you need to do, and eventually you want it to be full speed where everybody's in unison and in sync where it comes together, and that still is going to take some time. Again, Justin Fields getting a lot of compliments from the coaching staff and teammates. This one from Matt Eberflus. I would say, man, he throws a good deep ball. I would say that. he's. Uh, uh, I'm excited about that. Um, and you can see it in the 7-on-7 seven seven and the 11-on-11s. And we're going, to take, you know, we're going to take our shots down the field. And, man, he's, he does a nice job doing that. And that's what stands out to me. And, and what that means is, Tom, with the running game uh, and this kind of passing game, uh, the horizontal and vertical component of putting uh, stressors on a defense because they'd have to defend every blade of grass. Right. You know, that's one of the things that's always stood us to stood out to us about watching Justin early in his career. And he does throw a really nice deep ball. And I think he's got the arm strength to supply this offense with a lot of firepower when you're looking at the speed they brought in. 
but it is about a complimentary atmosphere on offense. you got to have that strong running game out of David Montgomery and the running back crew and then incorporate the speed they brought in. So, yeah, I, I think the continuous evaluation of Justin's development is going to be one of the most interesting aspects for all Bears fans to pay attention to. Accuracy component is the big one for Jim, right? No question. You know, they always say, I mean, I don't know, you tell me they can't teach accuracy. So if he's accurate, uh, he was accurate at Ohio State. By and large, when quarterbacks aren't accurate in the college game, even if it's a short passing game, they're not going to be accurate in the fastest paced NFL. Yeah, you know, to me, the accuracy has always been about balance and your mechanics of throwing a football. Your feet got to be in balance, shoulder width apart, and how you how you deliver the football. Because, like you said, if you're just a hair off, that can determine whether it's a ten yard gain or a twenty yard gain. You know, it's really about the ball placement to lead the receiver, run after catch, and all those type of things. His arm strength is not a problem, right? He was throwing to Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson there. Both those guys are four three guys, and they can absolutely scoot at Ohio State. And so arm strength hasn't been his his issue at all. He has had accuracy because his footwork has been pretty good. Now it's how his footwork marries up with what he's being asked to do within the Bears system. Some will be from shotgun. Some will be from underneath the center. And that's got to marry up. Uh, for for Justin Fields. He's just got to keep plugging away and, as I stated, honing his craft. But those things are going to be paramount. This is an interesting one from Matt Eberflus. Uh, he was asked uh, this week what he's come to appreciate about Luke Getze, the Bears' offensive coordinator. And listen closely, Jim, and tell me what you think. I, I really appreciate all the coaches, you know, and Luke, and I'm in the quarterback meeting, you know, every morning. And, you know, I really appreciate the way he coaches and the way he simplifies it for the, for the uh, uh, players. And uh, it's, uh, it's really neat to see and, and, and neat to interject in there as well uh, from a defense perspective, but he's doing a bang-up job in there. And you can see that in the execution on the field. I mean, the guys know what they're looking at and understand how to operate, and uh, the offense is looking good uh, to this point after this short period of time. I think we're ahead um, a little bit maybe because we have guys that are in the system and we have smart players. You know, you know, Justin's a very smart player. Those other quarterbacks are very smart. Um, and we have guys that have been in that system. The key for me there, Jim, the head coach who's defensive-minded has been in the quarterback meeting every day. Yeah. How significant no, is that? You know, it's a good thing. You know, sometimes uh, Coach Duran would come in and check on our meetings. I've been with other coaches like Bill Belichick uh, that will do that as well. And, you know, these are defensive-minded coaches that have to pay attention to the offensive side of the ball. You know, I think, uh, you know, Coach Eberflus has to has be in tune with how players are being coached and what they're being presented, and then he can make an honest evaluation of how they're executing. Because, again, as he just explained right there, there's going to be certain code words that Luke Getze is going to say that is going to mean certain things to the offensive lineman. It's going to mean certain things to the receivers. It's going to mean certain things to Justin Fields as a quarterback of what he needs to execute. He could throw out, say, box numbers. Hey, man, look at your box. You know, that's just something that he's going to know, that he's got to count certain bodies in order to get the offense in the best play. So that's just a, a coach being on top of everything. He's delegating. He's trusting his assistants to, to, do, to do their job. And right now it's, uh, you know, this is uh, the honeymoon right now. You know, the, right now we'll, we'll see how it unfolds come the first month of the season with what these players are being learning, what they're trying to hone to get ready for the season. 
Tom, I like it because he's going to have his hand in just about. He got, he's got to be the CEO, you know, of the football team. So be, be in as many rooms as you can. But you take Matt's career into consideration. He's probably watched more offensive tape than he has defensive tape. You kind of see how all your pieces fit together when you're evaluating your own talent. But on a week-to-week, game-to-game basis throughout his career, he's studying the opponent's offense. So he's in there listening in a quarterback meeting under and kind of thinking of what how they're teaching Justin Field from the mind of a defensive coach that's studied hundreds of quarterbacks throughout his time. So when you have that type of Rolodex of information in your mind and your memory bank like he has, he's kind of at a, an interesting, um, you know, kind of an interesting end of the spectrum to sit in there and listen to an offensive coach as a defensive-minded guy. All right, coming up next, we'll focus on Cole Komet as he begins his third year. Also, look at safety with a position coach, Andre Curtis, in terms of Eddie Jackson. It's all coming up next with Jim Miller and Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome back to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Choose clean energy for your home at IGS.com, because every good choice adds up to a better world. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score with Tom Thayer and Jim Miller, former Bears. I'm Jeff Joniak. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Kari Blassingame joins us as well. Uh, fellas, Gary Fensick made a, a great point uh, talking to him and Jay Hilgenberg the other day up at Hallis Hall. Uh, we always talk about it, and Ryan Poles has stated this, and Matt Eberflus has as well, and I I brought it up that, you know, you're building a home, basically, from the foundation up. you got to attend to every detail to make it perfect at the start to build the future. But, you know, Gary's point was a house stands for 30, 40, 50 years, but in the NFL, the, the homes don't stand that long. And, and that's a great point because while this is a transition roster right now with new leadership and new coaches – there's other factors, free agency, injuries. Uh, did your quarterback develop like you thought he did? The, the uh, high demand assistance that may leave you after one year or financial considerations. I think you just hope to find the foundational pieces, Tom, to find that sustained success. And that's why this year to me is so important. Right. You know, Jeff, you live in a house that was built 100 years ago. Yeah, you right. think of that foundation. <laughs> and I think those are kind of the foundations that you want to build within an organization that lasts from years to years, generation to generation. You know, I, I know this is Bears All Access, but when you look around the NFL as a whole and you look at uh, Baltimore Ravens or you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers and stuff, those are the foundations that those teams have been successful with. And I think when you look at the Bears, that's where you want to get to. You want to get to uh, the building blocks of a foundation that is successful for generations to come. Jim, does every decision impact that from this day forward? Yeah, I think, well, I'll just keep it to the analogy of a house. I think we all know when you purchase a house or you build a house, there is going to be homeowner maintenance that needs to be done, right? You got to take care of the gutters. You got to take care of the windows. You know, certain things are are going to get weathered over time and they've got to be addressed for maintenance to keep it at a high level and looking good in the, in the neighborhood. So that happens, <laughs> that happens with free agency, right? You may lose a, a part. You've got to add a part, you know? So I think you're, you constantly got to do the maintenance required to keep it looking at a beautiful level. I'm not thinking you're cutting your own lawn. No, I, of course, cut my own lawn. <laughs> I, need it, I need it high and tight, and you may as well get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah, and I can picture Jim on a ladder on the gutters. I love it. You're a self-made, yeah. hey, you're a self-made man from day one, and I know Tom is, so... 
Tom sews his own clothes for crying out loud. So that's that's <laughs> impressive. All right, let's talk about Cole Komet because uh, I'm excited about him. He, he looked genuinely thrilled about what's about to transpire this season with this offense and where Justin Fields is. Uh, but for himself, in addition, you know, he's not taking anything for granted whatsoever, and he does feel like he's starting over. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's starting over again. But I'm optimistic. I'm totally bought into what's going on here. Coach Eberflus is coming with a great mindset that I think is, is is really good for this team. You know, obviously we're young, but, you know, I'm totally bought into what, what's going on here, and I'm excited for it. He's also taking the cue from his uncle, Jeff Scanina, who played a long time in the National Football League, about being nothing guaranteed as a football player. My uncle played 17 years, and I asked him, this is when I was young, I remember it was my dad asking, what, how, how did you play for that long? And he's like, you feel like you're getting cut every day. And that's a tough feeling, but, like, that's how you got to come here every day. So, like, regardless if it was the old scheme or old regime, new regime, whatever it is, it's this is the NFL. Like, you know, got, the jobs are on the line every day, so you got to come to work like that. I don't come in here thinking every day I'm going to get cut, like, necessarily, but I just, like, you have that. It's it's go time, you know. This is not – you know, there's no reason not to study the night before. you gotta, you got to know your stuff when you come in. you got to know your stuff. Like, there's no excuse for not knowing what to do on a play. Whether they installed it correctly or not, you got all the sheets, you got everything. You got to be a pro and know what you're doing. So that it's just being a pro every day. Uh, Jim, uh, we're on Zoom looking at each other. Tom's head was bobbing up and down in affirmation what? because Tom speaks that language every day. Well, I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Jim and I came from an era where you could be cut at any day. You didn't have a contract that had a salary impact that you were uncuttable. And I walked in the Hallis Hall every single day when Mike Dicko was my head coach thinking this is the day I could be cut. And I never felt secure walking in there. And I think that's a good thing. I don't think it's necessarily creates an insecurity in you. It creates a work ethic that the coaches are looking for. Jim, it sounds like leadership right there too, about telling guys, Hey, every detail matters. I like hearing that from Cole. Yeah. Well, I played with his uncle, Jeff Scanina in Pittsburgh. So Jeff was a very hard worker, very diligent uh, teammate and took care of his uh, business because uh, he because that's what it is. You're you got to be conduct yourself as a professional and be prepared for what you're you're asked to do and by contract required uh, to do. And I think Cole's uh, serious about it, and I think he's a serious professional. And I think uh, he needs to have a bigger amp- impact in this offense. I thought his numbers increased last year. Uh, but uh, touchdowns, it didn't. I want to see a bigger red zone presence. This is a, a 260-pound tight end who's legit 6'6". I think he needs to be a force down there and make his presence known a little more. So we'll see how it emerges for him. He's diving into a new scheme, and he'll be counted on here in 2022. Funny you should bring that up. It was a big topic this week on the red zone lack of opportunities. You know, that was obviously an area that was lacking for me. And so I look at it, and you look at what, what opportunities you had in, in the red zone. So the two that I, like, really look back, that I kind of wish I had back were the one against San Fran against um, Warner in the end zone, where, honestly, just the timing thing between Justin went in one place, I went the other. That's something that I think we're going to have figured out this year. You know, that's, that's one of them. And then the same thing, there was one in Green Bay, a low ball that ju- just skipped off the ground. But so those are the two that I look at that I wish I would have had back, and that's really all, that all, I, all I can look at and – kind of assess myself on. And here's what he's working on in advance of his third season. Everything hands catch. Everything's got to be hands catch. That's one thing with that. And then it's hard to do now without pads on, but really craving violence through my blocks. That's kind of a thing, you know, especially on double teams. So those are the two things I'm kind of focusing on. Um, Obviously the hands catching stuff, I can really work on that now. The other thing, not so much without pads, but 
You do what you do. All right, let's talk the hands with Jim and the blocking from Tom. Go ahead, Jim. Well, first, I'll just say what disappoints me there is that he says there's only two red zone opportunities. All right, he needs to be called upon more to create red zone opportunities, not just for himself, but for others. So more targets need to go his direction is my take on that. I think he'll be better at it. I think the new play calling will gear things towards him, and maybe he can be like a Travis Kelsey and open up some other opportunities for for other players. I like his hands. I think he's gotten better. I think his hands are softer. And, again, the timing and rhythm of how it comes out of Justin Fields' uh, hand and the rhythm and the tempo of the ball that that Justin throws, that's going to become seamless, in my opinion. And, again, I think Cole Komet's too good of an athlete not to do it. He needs to be called upon more, not less. You know, one thing about the tight end position, first of all, the last coaching staff, when they developed the game plan for the red zone, they gave all those practice reps and all those game reps to Jimmy Graham. Well, it's, it's going to be Cole Komet. He's going to be the guy that's involved in practice, and he's going to get those reps, and he's going to develop that time we were just in. And another thing is when you talk about his blocking ability, well, when we talk about Kittle, the tight end from the San Francisco 49ers, the thing that really put him on the map early in his career is the ferociousness of his blocking. Whether he was pulling, whether he was in a stance on the line of scrimmage, how he challenged first and second level defenders and how he drove them off the field or into the ground. That's why he's considered one of the better tight ends in all the NFL, but that's the same mindset that Cole Komet has to develop is the driving feet, the inside hand placement, and being able to block on multiple level, levels in multiple movement type blocks. Well, and he even mentioned it, uh, tight ends have flourished in this particular scheme. He talked about Robert Tunyon in Green Bay, Kittle himself, and the guys of Minnesota. All right, we got to take a break. Jim Miller, Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer on Bears All Access here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by Athletico Physical Therapy. Visit athletico.com to request an appointment in clinic or virtually and start feeling better tomorrow. With Tom Thayer and Jim Miller, I'm Jeff Joniak here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Defensive assistance this week, talking up at Hallis Hall, fellas. Uh, Let's listen in to defensive line coach Travis Smith because Robert Quinn has not been a part of the offseason program right now, um, leaning on his veteran uh, preparation. He's been in the league a long time. This is a new scheme, but one that he flourished in under Rod Marinelli in Dallas, and that is a talking point for Travis Smith. So like a lot of our tapes we've shown in our room are a lot of skill development progression tapes of him in Dallas that I had cut up already from Marinelli that we set it for the young guys, especially it's good for them to see how he works his pass rush progression. Um, and so, and same with Quan. I worked out Quan when he came out of Miami, Muhammad, um, when I was in Oakland. Um, and too, so I've already known him. I've got to meet him and I've spoke to him on the phone. You know, Robert Quinn does most of his stuff individually. He's just a dynamic pass rusher. And we talk about his flexibility, his bendability, and what he's able to do with all of his experience. If, I, if Robert Quinn was an offensive lineman, I would be concerned because you've got to work those guys, all five, got to be working together with the tight end and with the fullbacks and stuff. But Robert Quinn, as long as he's in the weight room, as long as he's in shape, as long as he's in good condition, what's going to be required from him in training camp, 
I'm okay with that. I don't. I really don't care if Robert Quinn doesn't show up until the mandatory mini camp and then training camp. I, I would think so. He's been in a four-three defense before. He's been in a three-four. This guy's been a pros pro. He's had highs. He's had lows. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And last year was an extreme high. And I think he's a very humble, hardworking uh, player that wants to continue to to do well. You know, he was actually frustrated a couple of years ago. He didn't think he lived up to the billing. Uh, from from his from his standpoint, well, he came back and rebounded big time. I think that says a lot about his character. I think it says a lot about his work ethic, and I think he'll continue to conduct himself in that way. The benefit, though, is for young guys uh, to grab the attention of the coaching staff. And Matt Eberflus is very impressed with Dominique Robinson, the rookie out of Miami, Ohio. You can see the movement skills, the ability potentially to really turn the corner, and we'll see. We'll see as we go. You know. Uh, Bill Polian used to say, "Bore." You got to have at the top of the rush. You got to be able to bore and get underneath and turn the corner, and that takes power. And you're not going to really, really see that until until we get the pads on. But uh, fellas, he's got elite athleticism, Tom. Elite athleticism, and it's showing up. More than one guy talked about him yesterday. Yeah, you know that's why he's drafted. That's why he's been able to make position changes throughout his college career. However, he's the type of guy, unlike Robert Quinn, that needs to have these endless amount of reps that you have throughout OTAs, uh, mandatory minicamp, and then on to training camp. That's the way you're going to see the development of his skills. And it's kind of unique to the position that you have to repetitiously practice your defensive pass rushing moves just as many times as you could possibly get in a stance. And Travis Gibson, and we talked to him last week, Jim, they're impressed by his awareness of the quarterback position. That means going after the football. He forced all those fumbles, and if that becomes his thing, especially for this bunch that wants takeaways, that's going to be good for Travis. Yeah, well, I think, you know, part of playing football, sometimes guys get just too robotic out there. They get to... You know, they're thinking about their assignment so much that they, they forget sometimes about the uh, their awareness. You know, the, the point is, is to get the football, right, and be able to, to read the quarterback, whether it's a play-action pass, whether he's handing off uh, to the quarterback, not, not biting on, say, a play fake where a quarterback then takes it out. So you got to be aware of the ball and have your eyes on the football at all times. And that's really paramount in order to get the turnovers the Bears are looking for uh, as a defense. So it's not only playing fast and, and yes, still executing your assignment, but you've got to take it to another level and have the awareness of understanding what's going on around you to really disrupt what you're there to disrupt. And that's to get the football when it's all said and done, whether it's tackling it, whether it's tipping the ball, whether it's uh, disrupting it uh, by penetrating any which way you can, you've got to be aware of the situation and what you can do to, to affect the play. Eddie Jackson has been a turnover machine in his career with the bears. Uh, His position coach, Andre Curtis, was Seattle's defensive pass game coordinator the last four years, also coached safeties and was the D-back coach there for three years as well, influenced by Steve Spagnuolo with the Rams and then the Saints. A conversation with him at Eddie Jackson. Once you're in the right position, that's when the good stuff usually happens. So uh, that's when you get comfortable at knowing the ins and outs of the defenses, you know the strengths and weaknesses of the defense, and then you know where you need to be to make the type of plays that you want to make. So... Right now, at this point, it's kind of like feeding them everything right now. You know, the whole menu, pressures, coverages, you know, all that stuff. You know, and he's just receptive to learning. We haven't gotten to that phase where it's like, okay, you know, place him here, that type of stuff. I think that stuff will come the closer we get to the season. Right now, 
we're just teaching our fundamentals and the base defenses so everybody's well-rounded. Anybody can set a tone on defense, but if, if your safety sets a tone from the physicality standpoint, so whether it's Brisker or Eddie, mm-hmm. how do you as a coach and this staff feel about that coming from the back end of the defense to help set a tone? Well, I mean, usually most good defenses have good secondaries. It starts there, you know, because the more you can eliminate explosive plays, I mean, those safeties, sometimes you only make five, four or five tackles a game, but you got to make them. And, you know, that free safety, you're in a position in the middle of the field where you got to make a one-on-one tackle. If not, it's a big play. <laughs> you know? Well, he's had plenty of experience coaching DBs, uh, good ones too, in both uh, New Orleans and also in Seattle. Well, you know, to me, you may not get the indicator of the physical – uh, commitment of Eddie Jackson until the regular season gets here. You know, Jim, how those defensive backs fly around training camp and they act like they're in position and they're going to deliver a big hit, but, you know, they just they don't have that luxury in training camp. And then I don't know how many reps the real starters will get throughout the preseason games. So when the San Francisco 49ers come into Soldier Field on September 11th, that may be the first indicator of the physical commitment of some of these defensive players. So, uh, you know, I'm going to be sitting on the edge of my seat as much as anybody watching Eddie Jackson because he's really got to be the guy that brings that element to that position. Yeah, I, I, I totally believe that. I mean, when you look at this defensive system, I mean, obviously the safeties are a big part of it. I've talked about uh, Kari Willis for Indianapolis Colts and really the safeties there that they've kind of overhauled and really molded the way Coach Eberflus wanted this secondary to perform. And now the Bears are going to have the opportunity to do that. How quickly can Eddie Jackson transition? He's going to be asked to do different assignments. You know, certainly as a player, you have to be tuned in to what you're facing offensively, what personnel groupings, what's the formation, what are the you know, what are the tendencies of what they can do out of that certain formation that will give you clues in order to be a more instinctive player of how you're going to play things uh, defensively. Coming up next, Bears fullback Kyrie Blassingame joins us here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This portion of Bears All Access is brought to you by CDW, people to get it. Jeff Joniak along with Tom Thayer and Jim Miller from SiriusXM NFL Radio's Moving the Chains. We'll take a timeout from them and join one of the newest Bears, Kyrie Blassingame. Fullback, and we've talked about this. And welcome, welcome yes, to sir. Chicago. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank First you. And foremost, we're old school football guys. So, Tom's an offensive lineman for the '85 Bears who won a Super Bowl as a starting guard, and Jim Miller is a quarterback here when the running game was really good. Fullback, though, it's a. They always talk about being a dying breed, and that's awful to say because I think it's such an important piece if you want to really run the football, like I think the Bears want to do here in 2022 and beyond, helping a young quarterback. How do you feel about it? I uh, love the position, you know, just coming out of college, being a running back in college and then making the switch. It was new, but, uh, you know, learning throughout the years and, you know, just picking up techniques and trying to go as hard as I can at it. I really embraced it and I, I really like playing it. And I'm I'm excited for this year and I really hope we can do some great things on the ground, through the air, just as an offense, as a team. You used to doing that in Tennessee with a guy by the name of Derrick Henry. So, uh, and, and traditionally, you know, you think of guys – you know, the big burly guys are never going to touch the ball, and they're just sledgehammers. While you can do that, you're also going to be used in a variety of ways. You get, you get that feeling from Luke Getze? Uh There's a lot of different things that, that, that Luke can do with the offense, just being as creative and from the system that he comes from. It's just 
for me, I just got to show that I can do it and that I can be consistent with it. And so hopefully throughout this process, OTAs and camp and preseason, I can show them that I can do those things and get those opportunities. In terms of the scheme, are you do you have some familiarity with it or is this a brand new thing for you? Definitely some familiarity. Yeah, definitely some familiarity from uh, Art and then from Todd. Same same type of system. Yeah. All right. So let's go back to the, that Tennessee days. A couple years there in Tennessee where you also went to college. You're a Southern guy from Alabama, is that correct? Yes, yes sir, Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah, so yeah. it was kind of home, kind of cool to play in the area uh, at SEC country. Um, was it hard to leave that? Because you got a lot of family, a lot of friends probably down there that enjoyed uh, making the short trip over to Tennessee. Now it was time, you know, going to school there 2014 and playing all the way up until 20, 2021 season into 2022. Like, it was just – it was it was fun. I enjoyed my time there, and I enjoyed all the connections that I made there in Nashville. But it's time for a new adventure. You know, my wife's excited to be in Chicago, be exploring new things, and you know, is I'm, I'm excited. I was excited to to get this opportunity, and we're both running into it full speed. So. You know, barring uh, other than just the fact it's uh, you know it's a great city. Chicago's you know to me one of the best, if not the best, sports towns in America. The passion for football here is as equally passionate as it is down south or in Texas uh, where kids play high school football and on to college. There's just something special about being a bear in a very crowded market with all the big sports and entertainment and whatever. When you're a bear, they love you. They love you. And, you know, when things are not great, they still love you, but they're passionate about the whole thing. Right, is right. that exciting to play in that kind of environment? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, just just kind of being – in the city and just kind of moving around and like I might go and rent a truck cause I got to move some furniture and then I hand my ID to the guy and, and they know, you know, that's just kind of like a, a cool experience. And then you can feel that they love the history and the, the team. Like you can, you can feel it. You can feel it. So I, I'm, I'm very excited to, to be a part of this. Gary Blasting Game, our guest here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score We're with you until the top of the hour, kind enough to spend some time with us. So uh, when you come into this building, I always refer to it as an honor. I see George Hallis' statue outside the building. When you walk in here, it's like a museum, and you never can get enough of it. I love NFL history. I feel my job is, is partly charting the history of the game as a play-by-play guy. How about yourself? Some young guys never even were in an NFL game before they came into the league or didn't really care about it. They cared more about you know college football and whatnot. What, what's, what's your background on it? When I first fell in love with football, the TV stayed on NFL Network, so I was watching NFL films and a, a bunch of different things. So I'm I'm watching Gale Sayers, I'm watching Walter Payton, like I'm watching Mike Singletary, all these guys, like these legends, you know. And so walking into the building, and you see their numbers and their names up, and then you see Walter Payton's locker and his picture and Mike Singletary and all just all these guys, and it's so. I made the statement to my wife. I was like, this is like the football Vatican. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it really felt like a museum, and it felt like you walk into a place where there's a culture. There's a football culture. So I'm loving it. I ate it up on the first visit when we came and signed, and I, I just love coming to work every day. 102 years of history, man. You can't get better than that as the first franchise. Right. You know? Right. So, yeah. And you'll love it when you get the home crowd going. Things go well. Place goes crazy. You'll never forget. It gives you goosebumps. That's for sure. Um, tell, tell us a little bit about what it was like playing with a guy like a Derrick Henry, uh, just a total beast of a running back, and then what you're learning about your new guys here. Well, yeah, I mean, Derrick has a work ethic that's, you know, 
that's why he is who he is. And, you know, he came to work every day, did his job, and, you know, he's a good teammate. Love him, love playing with him. And uh, to answer the second part of your question, I get the same vibe from from David and Khalil and Darrington's up here with me and both the young guys. So I'm excited to come to work with those guys. Those guys give me juice when I don't have it, and hopefully I can get them juice when they don't have it. But I love being in the room with them. They're all great guys. They all seem like they love the game. Well, not seem like they they all love the game. And, And as far as we've been here, it's been hard work and just, you know, going at it. So, I'm I'm happy to be with these guys. I enjoy them. It's fun. It makes it easier to transition, I would think, with a new team when you got guys that love the game. Absolutely. Because, you know, you know guys. There, there's some guys in the league. They're here because they might be just – they're football players, but some of them don't love the game, you know? Yeah. But if you get a bunch of guys who love the game or are passionate about it, as a teammate, do you respect that and welcome that as much as possible? Absolutely. I respect it and welcome it, and, and it just makes coming to work easy because, like – you know, when you if you're working out or running by yourself, you gotta you gotta bring your own juice. But if you got three or four or five six guys in close proximity proximity to you, and they're going, you gotta go. And there's there's a standard, you know. And so so David and Khalil and Darren and all those guys, they carry themselves with a standard. So I'm I'm excited to be a part of that standard and and just keep raising the level. Darrington Evans, also a former teammate. What can you tell us about him? And is it Helpful to have somebody you you worked with before. Yeah, it's very helpful. I mean, just having a familiar face and a guy who's one of my friends, you know, just off the field, one of my friends, you know. So, but uh, you're getting a smart football player with him. Very smart. He's gonna put the time in. It's gonna work. Explosive. You got some twitch. So I ain't gonna put too much on him, but <laughs> I'm gonna let him show y'all what he can do. But he, he's a good football player. All right. How about yourself? Uh, do you put too much on yourself? Or are you gonna? I ain't going to put nothing on myself. Nothing on yourself. Let the package be open as the season goes on, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. um, How far you've come, though? You're an undrafted guy, Minnesota, practice squad, signed off by Tennessee, part of some winning teams there. What what do you envision for yourself here for the next few years? Winning. Being my best self. I know what it feels like to to not be at that peak performance and, and best self and I'm just excited to have another opportunity to just go perform and go work and go compete, you know, go test myself every day. That's kind of what I'm here to do. And so I'm excited about it. And if however long it lasts, I just hope I can just do that every day, stack days and be the best football player I can be. There's one ball. You haven't had that many touches, obviously, in your NFL career. Uh, Is that something you really have a taste for and appetite for more touches? Or it doesn't if it, I mean, if it comes, it comes, you know. But whatever, whatever works, and whatever. If we run the ball from the eye twenty times a game, and we're winning games, and we're smashing people in the face, I don't care. Like that's I want to win. So if they throw me the rock, cool. If they hand me the rock, cool. As long as we win, and I'm cool. You know, there was an old bear here, a linebacker named Doug Buffon. He has since passed away, but he was the last player that George Hallis coached. Anyway, very popular figure. He got, got into broadcasting and whatnot. And, you know, he was the type of guy that always say, hey, listen, if we don't win, I'd love that team to know they were in a dogfight, in a fight. I think that's kind of the mentality Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus would love this team to have. Like, you're going you're gonna to be in for a long day, no matter what happens when you face the Bears. Do you think this team, in the early stages of what you're learning about everybody, 
will carry that mentality and are bringing guys in that have that mentality. Yeah, there's a lot of guys here that just, you can tell, they love to compete. And it's going to be a competitive camp. It's going to be a physical camp. And we're just going to build it to be that. We're going to build the team to be physical and competitive and nasty. And, yeah, so to answer your question, yes, I, I, I really do think that we have a lot of guys with that demeanor and who want to be that and want to show up as that. So there were a lot of fullbacks that played high school. You know, they played running back, but a lot played linebacker. You played safety. I think you played linebacker too. Yep. Linebacker. So is that beneficial to bring that defensive mentality to the offensive side of the football a little bit? I think so. Yeah, I think I think it, it helps to kind of know what's going on on the other side. Like when you see it a little bit, uh, I think it helps a little bit, yeah, to put it to put it lightly. All right, you you had a wonderful experience at Vanderbilt. Tell us a little bit about it because, um, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but Ian Cunningham, the assistant general manager, is a relative of Arthur Ashe. Oh, okay. So, right. and in 2019, you were named the Arthur Ashe Junior Male Sports Scholar Athlete by Diverse Issues in Higher Education. Um, what did that mean to you? Uh, what did your experience at Vanderbilt mean to you that carries you into your professional life? Uh, so that that deg- that award, that, I mean, that was really cool. Arthur Ashe is like, he's a big, big figure, big legend, you know. So just to be recognized for, you know, my scholar achievements in the classroom, because that's something I went to school to do, is to really – do both be a student and an athlete um so so I'm it feels good to be recognized for those efforts and then just my time at Vanderbilt like just being on a team with guys that that you care about that care about you just being able to work with those guys and push through the tough times enjoy the good times you know going to some bowl games uh I I enjoyed it I enjoyed playing for coach Mason uh I played safety I played linebacker I played running back so being able to adapt and do all those things is just it's a cool, unique thing that, you know, not many people can say they play three different positions in college. So I'm you know, I I, I enjoyed it and, you know, it was it was cool. Uh, a couple more questions. We'll let you go. Kari Blasting Game, our guest here on Chicago Sports Radio six seventy the score. This is Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. What advice, now that you've been in the league a few years, would you have for a young quarterback like uh, Justin Fields? <sighs> I mean, never have played, never having played the position. I don't, I, I don't know what I, what type of advice I would give him. But just from a football player standpoint, I wouldn't give him no advice that he doesn't already do. You know, just work hard, keep your head down, put the work in, and he does that. So I'm excited to play with him and, and, and see what he does because he works hard. He really puts it in. So that would be that would be the only thing I could say. I couldn't say anything about QB because I've never played it. You know, so I don't know. Not even what, in the youth youth game. I played a little. Played Come on, it a you little, slung it a little bit. I played it a little bit in, in high school, but like completely different level. Yeah, so I, I, I would stay away from that. Trying to give him any advice on that, but just the way he comes to work, it's just cool to see. So I'm excited for him this year. All right, last thing, we really appreciate the time. Uh, Coach Eberflus said last week, you know, he's looking leadership, leadership, leadership. And it's got to be organic, you know. It's got to be organic. It doesn't have to always be the star player. It could be anybody. Yeah, I've been told you have natural leadership ability, natural leader, leadership skills. Do you agree with that assessment? And do you, do you look at yourself as a leader, no matter how, what form that takes? It doesn't have to be vocal. It could be by act, could be a number of different ways. How would you characterize that's, I mean, that's, I would say that's a true statement about not having to be vocal and 
you know, be what everyone would think a leader looks like. But we all have our own circle of influence that we can lead in that. So whether that's leading in the running back room, leading on special teams, just through how I show up every day and my work ethic and my intention and just being consistent. I mean, that's what I want to do. I hope I can lead that way through my actions. And it's not always about what you say. It's about how you show up every day. So I hope that I can be that type of leader and that type of teammate. Awesome way to end our interview. Nice job. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate hey, thank it. you for Looking having me. Talking to you again and having a great season. Yes, sir. Thank you. Kari Blaston gave our guest here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 Score back after this break. Chicago Bears single game tickets on sale now. Get yours at chicagobears.com slash tickets. With Jim Miller and Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Let's talk Tevin Jenkins. He was at the podium this week up at Hallis Hall after the OTA on Tuesday, readapting to right tackle after starting his rookie season at left tackle mid-year. It's like anything that you're when you're most comfortable. Say you outside like, like smoking food for a while. You don't do it for like a year and a half. You might have like a little mess up. You might burn your food. You might do something like that. It's like trying to get back into the regularity of it and trying to figure out how can you get back there as fast as you can. Like it's just trying to perfect your stuff, like all your stuff, like your craft. He reflects also on how that slow start last year slowed his progress. It's, it was a hard thing from me being out for that whole year before as well. Like, I was out since October, had the surgery, and then I didn't have all those reps. But, like I said, the urgency to come back and say that I need to be getting these reps, I need to show something that that says I deserve to be where I'm at is was very pressing to me and was making sure my mental was good enough to push myself to be the best I could be out there. And now, just lastly, try to prove it to the new guys. For me, it's about earning trust and earning their belief that I deserve to be on this team still. So I'm working for that trust. That's, what, that's ultimately what I'm doing. Putting more of that trust that they have into me will make me feel more comfortable, and I'll start playing like more comfortable, I guess. I don't know. Well, uh, the, the proof will be in the pudding when he gets on the field in pads, but Tom, uh, as an offensive lineman, do you like where his mindset is at after hearing those thoughts? Um, I do. I like what he says, but now i got to see how that relates to the on-field performance. And that is, Jeff, and that's being there every day. That's maybe fighting through a little nick or something that maybe you're not 100% comfortable, but I can take it to the practice field. Because this is going to be a super competitive scenario. From the offensive coordinator to the offensive line coach to see does your ability, what they – scouted you a couple years ago because he talked about opting out the last year as a, in college and then what he went through last year. There's still, um, you know, uh, a lot that they have to see and he's got to prove to the coaches. He, see, he keeps using the word trust, yeah, but, you know, he has to show considerable development over time to – to show that he can play, you know, offensive tackle in the NFL. Jimmy's drop, he was at 345 last year at his, his biggest. That was something that the previous offensive line coach wanted. His body fat, he said, was 33%. He's now down to 325 with a much lower body fat, working on many different things to try and get himself ready. Uh, would you prefer now he just stay at right tackle as opposed to moving him around? I know they want to get the best five, but would that change – 
be of concern at you at all if they move him around? Well, I think first is is I think it's a start to start him at right tackle. Let him get comfortable there before you start moving him around. Let him, as Tom just mentioned, he hasn't played a lot of live football now. You know, here he gets drafted by the Bears. He mentioned the surgery in October. Then he gets his feet wet late in the year as he was had the three-week window from being on IR, right? So I looked it up. He played a total of 160 snaps. He had seven penalties. All right, so that's one. And he had a penalty one out of every 13 plays. So let him get his feet wet. Let him get comfortable at right tackle. Then when he's, you feel and evaluate that, hey, he's got this position under his belt, then maybe you start playing with him yet. He's got to settle into one position uh, right now is, is my take, and it's probably a good thing he's down to 325. I think four or 345 is just way too big for him, uh, what he's going to be asked to do, and it'll take pressure off his back. But let's just let him settle in to one position right now. Gosh, I didn't realize only 160 snaps, but, I, I you know, if you stop and think about it, yeah, it was really That's, late in the think season. Think about it. Yeah. Think how small of live football that he's actually seen the last yeah. two years. You know, he hasn't seen a lot. You know, and one thing about Tevin Jenkins, if you talk about moving him around, I don't think it's necessarily right tackle to left tackle. I think it's right tackle to right guard. And I do think that is going to be Tevin's uh, position mobility is probably going to be decided in those terms. If they feel that there's somebody performing better at right tackle, can he come in and challenge for that open right guard spot? All right, boys, we're out of time. Another week of OTAs coming up. We'll be back at Hallis Hall on uh, one of those days next week. Did a great job today, guys. Keep up the good work. Jim Miller, Tom, we'll be seeing you back in town soon as you uh, return from your hot spot in Maui. Safe travels. Can't wait to give you a hug. All right, thanks, Jim. <laughs> good night, guys. Jim Miller, Tom Thayer, thanks as well to our producer, Jordan Treadup, and the folks at The Score, and for our guest, Kari Blasting Game. That'll do it for us. We'll talk to you next week here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Good night, everybody.